Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Thanks for joining us today. You've heard the expression, the devil is in the detail. And for donor management, very, very true. There's so much information that's hidden just beneath the surface in your donor database that by the end of the discussion today, I think your head's going to be spinning with ideas and possibilities. That's a good thing. Lots of donor management CRMs on the market, and I'm hoping that you're using at least one of them. If not, and you know the Excel spreadsheet is still your best friend, we need to talk, and we will. <laughs> For those of you who are already using such platforms, how do you organize your donor management? What information are you capturing about your donors? What are you doing to ensure that the person who gave you their first gift will return to give a second, and perhaps eventually a major gift? And by the way, how's that list of yours doing anyway? <laughs> the object of donor management, maximize the potential of each donor. And our guest today is going to help you do just that. Daryl Moser is the business development manager at DonorPerfect, one of the leading donor management systems in the nonprofit world. Daryl has an amazing knowledge base for lots of the innovative products and solutions that help nonprofits kind of move the needle and get the most out of their donor list. He's a kind of a software guy, and that's perfect for our discussion today. Daryl is joining us from his home office in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. Daryl, welcome to Impactability. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me here on your show. So where is Boyertown? <laughs> Boyertown is about an hour west of Philadelphia. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm guessing it's a nice Midwest town. Yeah, kinda. I mean, uh, you know, we're we're just outside of the uh, the suburbs here, and so it's a, a nice rural area. Great place to grow up, for sure. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us. So, like I said in the intro, Daryl, if a listener is still using the Excel spreadsheet to keep track of donors, and there are some out there, we need to talk, right? Yes, yes, indeed. Um, you know, we've, we've spoken to a number of people that are just beginning that type of fundraising journey. And whether they have one spreadsheet or 20 of them, as we've sometimes encountered, um, there's certainly better ways that we can help them through um, their, their donor journey. Yeah. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle anyone, but the reason behind me saying that is that there's so much that one can learn from their donors if they employ a donor management platform. So what do you think are some of the basics? And then let's dig in further from there. I think the key thing that I find spreadsheets struggle with is once you've got donors that are giving multiple gifts, um, your ability to try and manage that data inside of a spreadsheet becomes really challenging. And as you begin putting things into a system, you'll begin to learn things like communication preferences, you'll have more accurate addressing, telephone numbers, email addresses, and so forth. Um, there are ways that you can actually cleanse the data to make sure that it's accurate. And that kind of accuracy is so important when you're dealing with a donor that you don't want to upset. You wanna make sure that you address them in the right way. So, I mean, that's, that's really just beginning to scratch the surface in, in terms of the information that you can, you can use your donor management system for. I'm glad you said cleanse the data because so often, we encourage nonprofits 
please clean your data. Make sure it's it's top notch. Uh, totally, totally. Everything from the addresses to making sure that your campaigns are identified properly. It's impossible for you to know which campaigns are working unless you're running your report and, and verifying that they were properly tagged. Yeah. So, I, and I know this is an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is, in your opinion, donor management so important? Well, I think for the donor's experience, it's uh, it's been called a donor journey or a life cycle. And so a donor management system needs to be able to accommodate everything from a new donor acquisition. There needs to be tools available that are enabling you to find new donors. But once you've gotten the new donors, that life cycle comes into play. So you've got to establish regular communication with them to keep them engaged, to make them aware of what you're doing inside of your organization, as well as automating the asks, the thank yous, and then the graduation into, um, once you realize that they have capacity, into the major gift um, cycle. So all of those are components of the donor journey. And without a donor management system, it's really difficult to try and put that stuff together. Agreed. So let's make a list of the things that I should be keeping track of when I'm putting this this donor management system together. I would probably start with accurate addresses, email, and phone. The next thing I would want would be gift history and understanding the timing and the size of the gifts, as well as which campaigns those donors actually respond to, as well as being aware of which campaigns they don't respond to so that we can then use that later on for something that we call segmentation. We like to know donor preferences. How do they like to be communicated with? Do they prefer a phone call, an email, as well as a communication history? With a good system, you can actually track whether or not they're opening up your emails. Um, so you get an engagement level. And so you know um, when they're really paying attention to some of your communication. And so that kind of really you know, starts the process of being able to fill in the donor. But custom fields so that you can begin to fill in things like wealth capacity, maybe even, you know, affiliations with different programs inside of your organization. Are they volunteering? All of that information about the ways that they touch your organization are critical when you're starting to communicate with them, especially at a major gift level. So Daryl, how does fundraising software change the workflow? Well, Joe, I think really the the software creates the workflow because so often when you're not on a package or in in an automated form, steps get left out. Um, You forget to thank a donor. Maybe they're not included in the campaign. So it's really about standardizing the way that you go about things. And the software should actually help you to automate many of those steps so that you're collecting as much revenue as you possibly can. And many clients will actually find that because of this workflow um, that they ended up adding, that their fundraising actually goes up without changing the kinds of campaigns that they're doing just by the fact that they're, they're doing things the proper way. Now, a few minutes ago, you mentioned the words integration and segmentation. Talk a little bit more about those. Integration is really when two systems that you're using are talking to one another so that there's not any labor involved with getting data back into the CRM system. The two great places that you can see that are when you have a volunteer system that's recording the number of hours that somebody who donates their time as well as donates dollars. That is a complete picture of that donor inside of the CRM system. And when you have an integration, 
that flows automatically. The, the very next day you go into your CRM, you can see the hours that they've worked. Mm -hmm. Automatically, you can set rules up that say, if you're a humane society and you find out that, um, Joe, you like cats as opposed to dogs, you can put them on the cat list or the dog list. And you can make sure that um, the kind of communication that they're getting is segmenting, which leads to your second question, which what is segmentation? It's when you can actually tailor your message to your donors to um, appeal to some uniqueness about that donor. And, you know, we can use the cat and dog example, but even at the nonprofit where I serve, we're a human services agency, we have a Meals on Wheels program, we have heating and rent assistance, and we have a senior citizen program. There are some of our donors that appeal to certain aspects of our program and not always to others. So we want to make sure that we put them on the right mailing list. And that's what segmentation and the automatic list feature can do. So would you say that, let's use the dog and cat example, would you say that someone who is a dog lover might not want to receive cat stuff so you're just going to take them out of the out of the cat send it's absolutely possible to do that and that's one one example of how you could segment your donors um the other way we know that psychology enters into fundraising a lot and um whether you use disc profiles or whatnot when you begin to learn that some of your donors actually appeal to stories as opposed to statistics and vice versa there's a different way that you would communicate with them and we'll certainly get into that when we start talking about major gifts and how you um, pull that information forward so segmentation is just the beginning of, of when you you know start communicating and um, specializing your messages for your donors and since you brought up major gifts i'm going to go there and I'm, I'm thinking about a donor management system that could help me take a donor from like a first-time gift to a potential major gift benefactor. How does a system do that? Well, I think it's first, it's key to, you know, you've got to get the donor into the door, right? So that's a donor acquisition process. So you're, you're going to find that people that gravitate to your, your mission um, will come in the door. And once they're in there, you're going to look for repeated gifts. We oftentimes will help an organization through finding maybe their top 100 donors, um, either in terms of size or frequency of gifts. Um, we'll run that report and um, maybe even start with 500, depending on the number of donors that they have um, in their system. And then we will we'll do what we call a screen um, where we will pull some wealth information about those top 500 donors to see, you know, one, if they have capacity um, but two, also some history of giving. Then you can begin to assign them to um, solicitors or if you're a small shop and you're the only development person there, you really want to stay focused on maybe your top 50. Mm -hmm. So Daryl, there are a lot of different donor management platforms out there. How does an organization find the right one for them? So Joe, you talked about workflow and I think finding the one that shows a very efficient workflow is key and is also um, looking for one that is easy to use. It should be understandable. It should be about fundraising. I've seen some systems that are out there that uh, are for-profit CRMs that, that get modified into being a fundraising CRM. And the process is a little bit different in terms of how you would approach a fundraiser versus trying to sell them a product. And I think you, you just got to look for that ease of use. But the other thing to not forget is um, the kind of data that you need to get out of the system. So a depth of reporting um, so that you can find your major gift donors, as well as um, finding those that have lapsed, 
YBUNT reports and things of that sort. Um, you've got to have a, a good depth. And the other piece that I would say is absolutely critical is, is make sure that your system can allow you to reorganize your screens and put in custom fields because not every nonprofit organization um, sees the same information as valuable. And so, you know, just like we use the dog and cat analogy, you need to be able to put that in if you're a humane society, but something different if you're actually a human services organization. We're going to stop for a moment, take a short break. We've been talking about the basics in donor management, and it's been extremely helpful so far. But when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper into donor management and share with you some tips and tricks that you might not know are right at your fingertips, as well as some of the newer innovations that you might not be familiar with. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get the work at your nonprofit done. Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. We handle all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to. Fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of nonprofit professionals working for you. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit SukupStrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Today, we're speaking with Daryl Moser about donor management and the benefits of having a donor management system in place for your organization. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have another edition of Coach's Corner. Stay tuned for that. Now, Daryl, I know you've been doing this for a long time. Can you maybe share with us a story about how improving donor management turned things around for a nonprofit that you've worked with? Joe, um, actually, one of the things that I've um, found very valuable is, is I serve on the board of a nonprofit. And um, when COVID hit, it was a human services agency and our food needs had tripled during that time period. Um, we uh, got together as a board and we identified the gap in funding that we had in order to meet the needs of our community. And we decided that we were going to do a gap campaign. And so um, through regular communication over a two month period, we ended up acquiring almost 800 new donors. We raised $280,000. And the real methods to that, Joe, were regular communication about our progress towards the goal, as well as communication about the deadline that we only had two months that we needed to get this funding in there. Otherwise, we weren't going to be able to meet the need. And the community really responded to that type of thing. So our emails included the thermometer that shows how our progress is looking, as well as telling stories and statistics. Remember, we were talking about some of that donor segmentation. At the very onset, when you're working with new donors, you want to try and make sure that your communication appeals to both sides. And we really ended up having success with that campaigns to the point that, you know, I would recommend gap campaigns to a lot of nonprofits at this point. That is an excellent story. I'm glad that worked out for you. Now, let's talk about prospecting, Daryl. Can these platforms help with that? And if so, how do they do that? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we touched a little bit on um, the running of reports and some screening. But the other thing that we're also starting to look at is that mid-level donor and uh, making recommended asks in perhaps a more automated form so you can increase your fundraising that way. But prospecting is really about looking inside of your donor database and discovering the people that have the capacity as well as the history of giving. Um, which identifies them as good candidates for you to begin exploring, you know, what their relationship is to your organization, why do they give, and then um, making sure that you're keeping notes in your CRM about that so that when the opportunity comes up for you to match up their 
their ideas and giving with a project that you have, that's when it all comes together and prospecting yields uh, major gifts. So you and I were talking earlier and you said something that I thought was very clever. You said, and I quote you, the data only goes so far. I love that. But Daryl, what did you actually mean by that? Well, I mean, if you um, put lots of information into your system, um, but you don't interpret it properly or use it properly, it can actually be harmful. Uh, and it's a little bit about some of the discussions we were talking about for major donors. If, if you were um, approaching them in the wrong way with just raw data, you can actually turn some of them away. And so it's really about wrapping your fundraising process together with the data so that you're using it collectively, but you still have to be a human about this and you have to approach your donors as though they're humans. And you mentioned the word automated earlier. So I'm going to use that in my next question. A nonprofit, they've got a small staff, not a lot of hands on deck. What can be automated in this process? So everything from pushing the button to send out a new campaign should really just take you minutes, um, especially nowadays with email. Direct mail is still a very viable and uh, prosperous way to fundraise. And even that can be automated so that you're actually pushing out your lists and whether you hand it to a mailhouse or whether you end up printing off all of your labels. But it's really about you know pushing the button to get your campaign out. And then when the gifts come in, you can automate things such as check scanning, where you just basically open up the envelope, put them in a stack in a machine. Really? It's, there's some really cool technology that's out there today, as well as the automation of thank you letters, which you know, I think we can, we can expand on how that has been changing over the years as well. I've asked this question to donor management professionals before. I'm going to ask you the same one. How can donor management help with donor fatigue? Well, I think um, knowing when to ask and looking at the history of how your donors give is one way to put them in appropriate lists so that you're asking them at the right time for the right amount and not hitting them with every kind of communication that you've got. So this is another place where segmentation really becomes important. You know, if you've got a person that reliably gives once a year, but you're asking them for 12 gifts throughout the year, that's where some of that fatigue of the ask can come into play. And you might want to put them on a different list so that you're asking them appropriately. Yeah. Let's talk tips and tricks for a second when it comes to donor management. What are some things that I should be looking for that I might not be aware of? Well, Joe, that's the part that I get excited about. And the reason that I started life as a computer programmer was because we can end up creating new technology every day that improves some aspect of a person's life um, in, in business. And so some of the cool things that have come out over the years, we talked a little bit about check scan. Of course, you know, email is a technology that you can use, um, but even different communication techniques such as texting for events as a text to give methodology. But then we get into some really cutting edge things that we started using where the old handwritten notes that you sent to donors, we now have a, a video platform that right on the donor screen, you push a button. And as an executive director, I can begin recording a video that says, Joe, thank you so much for your gift. It's meant so much to our program. And I send that off to you and it goes via email. If the handwritten note was a personal touch, the video just takes that to the nth degree because you're able to communicate with expression and, and all of these other things that just take it a notch up. Describe those a little bit more. How can, how can we benefit from them? How, how do we produce them? Because I think that would be a great idea for a lot of our listeners. 
we have, would have to acknowledge that videos have just become the, the means by which people communicate, whether you're trying to fix your car with a YouTube video or, you know, you've got the next generation that's watching videos on TikTok. The expectation of getting a 30 second snippet that tells you about the organization is just where we're at right now in society. And so the power of video cannot be understated from a fundraising perspective. So, Daryl, is there a question that I didn't ask? Any last minute thoughts? The, the key thing about donor management is to really look at your current processes today and where your organization is spending a lot of time and money and evaluating whether or not those fundraising methodologies are producing and moving towards one that actually will have a higher production. I've seen organizations today, I mean, events are oftentimes identified as great ways from a fundraising perspective. So often um, when you start looking at the labor that gets involved in them and so forth, it becomes a very expensive way to fundraise. Um, and really what the events oftentimes serve to be is, is there more of your donor acquisition tool? Um, but find some new ways to actually be using automation to promote campaigns that are going to produce without a heavy cost associated with it. I think that's, you know, that's why I got into software because it's about helping people be more efficient. And, and I think you have to just take a serious look at your own processes and then find the software that's going to go ahead and, and take you to the next step. Exactly what I was just about to say. Kind of examine what you're doing. Is it working? Because it could be working. Everything could be working fine. You could have a great donor management system. Everything's perfect, etc. But the question I always ask is, how much do you know about that system? Because again, there could be tools in there I compare it to programs that you have on your computer right now. You look at something, what does that do? I don't know. And you just, you, you know, and that I don't know could be something that could be so helpful to your organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Taking some time to, you know, whatever software you have is to reach out to the company and review it. Um, we try to say, you know, don't, don't ignore all of the emails that come from the software products that you're using, because sometimes they're identifying new features that will just change your efficiency. And every once in a while, it's not a bad idea to also reach out to, you know, some, some of the organizations that can take a good look at your processes and then can actually coach you or consult with you to improve what those processes are. That will reap many rewards in the long run. Totally agree. I guess the takeaway today is if you don't have a donor management system, you need one. And if you do, make sure it's the right one. And make sure it's giving you the functionality you need to help your nonprofit grow. Daryl, thank you so much for being our guest today at Impactability. Fantastic information. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you inviting me. This was uh, great fun. Time once again for another edition of Coaches Corner, where we take the questions that you send us and we ask our impact coaches for their answers. And the questions can be anything, so please keep them coming. Like today's question, when you hear it, you're going to say, yeah, that's good. I was, I've been wondering that myself. And so that's what Coaches Corner is all about, asking those questions. The tough ones, the easy ones, keep them coming. Today, we have a guest impact coach, Teresa Stowes. She's been with us before. And Teresa, this is a question I know you've heard of million times, but it is a great question and it's not as simple as it might seem. So listen closely. The question reads, why is 100% board giving so important? Now, Teresa on Coach's Corner, as you know, you only have five minutes to answer the question. Teresa, your five minutes begins right now. 
Well, thanks, Joe. I could talk quite a bit on this answer because it's not as simple as it seems. You know, years ago, I used to write grants to a local individual's foundation. And on the grant application was a box to check if 100% of your board made financial gifts to your organization. And if you checked no, the following question was, what does your board know that I don't? Bold, yeah, but true all the same. If your board doesn't support you, why not? You know, the role of the board is a list of things. There are seven, eight things that we always say, this is what the board should do. But one of the most important roles of the board is to ensure there are sufficient resources for the organization to accomplish its mission. And this means reaching out to their personal networks, attending fundraising events, and donating to the organization. Making a personal gift really deepens their commitment to the organization. You know, in fundraising, we often consider that we can't ask others to give if we don't first give ourselves. And so while different members may be able to give at different levels, everyone can give something. I know of a young woman with developmental disabilities who served on a board. Living on a fixed income, she made the commitment to give $25 a year. It came out once a month. For her, that was a stretch gift and demonstrated her belief that every board member should give to the best of their ability. Dedicated board members can always find a way to give. And if they're not dedicated, why do you have them? So really, why does it matter so much? Being able to boast 100% board giving says every member of your board believes in the work of your organization. It sends a clear message that your board takes the responsibility seriously. It sets a benchmark for giving from the community. And if your organization runs an employee giving program, it adds strength for the leadership to be invested completely. When writing grants, it's a very common question now to be asked, do you have 100% board giving? Also, what percentage of your total contributions come from your board? Savvy donors will want to know also. I've heard that if you serve on a board, that your gift to that organization should rank in the top five of your giving amounts to any organization. That may lead to another question, Joe, but I conclude 100% of giving at an amount that is significant to the board member should definitely be the goal. Great way to handle that question, Teresa. And you're right. It sounds simple, but it is definitely not a simple question. A lot of people ask it. You've done a great job in answering it for us. Thank you so much for being on Coach's Corner today on Impactability. Thanks, Joe. I'm happy to be here and always happy to answer your questions. Bring them on. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impact coaches 
at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.